to cast lots, I think, and uh, the lot fell on me. Uh, so I'm sorry, uh, but you'll have, you'll have to put up with me. Praise God. But it is good to be here. I often say I would rather be here than the best hospital in Columbus. Uh, so it's always good to be in God's house. If you're a visitor here, this is your first time. God bless you. We're glad you're here. And uh, uh, <coughs> you'll hear a better speaker when the pastor uh, gets back. But uh, thank the Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm glad for uh, the presence of the Lord. And uh, I want to talk to you uh, about a subject. Uh, I want to read a verse of scripture in Isaiah, the 11th chapter, and the 6th verse. Uh, just want to quote the end of that. And the little child shall lead them. That's the title of my message, a little child. Uh, my wife was six years old. Now, I call that a little child. But she was six years old when uh, the Lord filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I was fully grown. Uh, I was uh, 13. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, Isaiah said, a little child, the wolf shall also... Uh, shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf uh, with the young lion and the fatling there, uh, together, and a little child, a little child shall lead them. Praise God. It's good to see these uh, young folks up here in the front. And uh, I guess I'll call them little children today. Praise God. Uh, but I want to give just a little, to, for me to get to this subject, I want to give just a little uh, history of uh, what, what took place. And this you all remember, but, uh, and you, you know uh, this story. But uh, Moses, we all remember Moses because uh, he uh, led the children of Israel uh, out of uh, bondage, out of Egypt. But I remember him because of the burning bush story. I remember him because of the Ten Commandments and Mount Sinai, and God gave him the law and uh, the tabernacle plan and the priesthood. And so uh, Moses... Uh, stands out, and I, I remember him, and you've heard a lot of sermons on, on uh, Moses. And, uh, and then, of course, when he got ready to enter the promised land, Joshua uh, became uh, the leader, successor to uh, uh, Moses, and uh, led the children of Israel into the promised land. And, and when it talks about Joshua, well, the first thing I think of is... Uh, uh, the battle at Jericho when the walls fell down and they entered the promised land. And, and I think about uh, Joshua and Caleb, uh, the ten spies, and uh, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, brought back a good report, the others didn't. So when someone says Joshua, I, I think of those uh, kind of highlights in God's Word and the stories that we've heard a lot about. And then after they get into the promised land, then they, you have a period of what we call the judges. And it was kind of a roller coaster time for Israel, uh, for the people of God. They had a good judge and a bad judge, and so they had some good times and bad times. And uh, uh, it was kind of an uh, up and down period for them. And uh, there were 12 judges, and uh, someone said, can I name one? I said, I, I don't even think I could remember one of the 12 judges. And I thought, oh, yes, I do. I remember the last judge was Samson, because I remember the story of Samson and Delilah, <laughs> and I remember what happened. And so I think, well, he was 
a good judge and then he had some problems, but, but I remember the one judge, the other 12 judges, I, I, I couldn't name them. I'd have to look them up and, and uh, I don't remember what, uh, what uh, their names were at all. And then uh, after uh, Samson and that, the story of the judges, then a prophet arose by the name of Samuel. And uh, I remember him because Samuel uh, fulfilled several positions, but one was, of course, he was a prophet of God. And uh, he anointed the first king. So you had Moses, Joshua, the period of the judges, and then you had uh, uh, the first king that Samuel uh, anointed. And uh, it was not God's perfect will because the Lord said the, uh, the people had wanted to be like the rest of the world uh, around them. They wanted uh, to have a king over them. Someone they could say, this is our king. And uh, so uh, the Lord said, that's not the best situation, but uh, they want a king. I'm going to let them have a king. So Samuel anointed uh, the first uh, king. And uh, I don't remember a lot about Saul uh, that Samuel had anointed as the first king. I just remember Saul was head and shoulders. He was very tall, uh, well-built individual and uh, uh, masculine. And, uh, uh, but I do remember a little of the story of Saul uh, because he became so troubled and his kingdom, uh, Israel just started uh, to crumble around him. And, uh, uh, and then I remember he got David in to play the harp and tried to kill David. And it, uh, so I remember Saul as the first king. And then following him, we all remember David, the uh, little shepherd uh, young man that uh, uh, was anointed uh, to be the, the king before Saul uh, <clears throat> was out of his kingship. But, uh, and, and we remember David as the young man who played the harp and wrote songs and, and uh, uh, just, uh, uh, oh, he had some trouble and problems, but he was a man after God's own heart. He, he loved the Lord and, uh, and, and he wrote a lot of wonderful psalms, but he was the harp player, the, the shepherd boy, and so I remember him as the second king. The third king was Solomon. And most of us remember Solomon because he was full of wisdom. In fact, there wasn't anyone then that was any wiser than uh, King Solomon. And he was king over uh, Israel or uh, the united monarchy, uh, all the 12 tribes. And uh, he was the third king. And uh, it has been said that Solomon could quote over 3,000 proverbs. Well, I got to think, and I went and looked in proverbs and uh, I, I think there's probably a thousand Proverbs there, verses, or close to it. And uh, I don't know if I know one, let alone I could quote 3,000, except that I do remember the one that uh, says, without a vision you perish. But anyway, you can go through Proverbs and you can get up some wise, wise saying. And I think, what, 31 chapters and uh, all very, very, very wise. And, uh, but uh, Solomon, uh, Solomon was the, the third king and, and, and very, very wise. Uh, and then Israel divided. They were united monarchy. All 12 tribes were together. And then 10 of them became what we call the northern 10 tribes, and then Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes were the southern kingdom. 
and uh, the, uh, uh, there were 19 kings in the northern tribes. And of the 19 kings, I'm, I remember one. If you'd say, how many kings can you remember of the I remember, of course, the, the Saul and David and Solomon. I remember those three kings because they're the first three under a united monarchy when the 12 tribes were together. But then they divided, and of the 10 tribes, uh, the northern kingdom, I remember one of the 19 uh, kings, and his name was Ahab. And the only reason I remember Ahab is because he married Jezebel. And uh, Jezebel was wicked and uh, caused uh, him uh, a lot of the false gods to come in, and, 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 and we remember Jezebel and Ahab. So I remember uh, that one king out of 19. And then uh, there were 20 kings in the uh, southern kingdom of Judah, was Israel and Judah. And uh, I don't remember any of the 20 kings, but I'm going to try to help you uh, remember uh, one of the kings. In fact, he's here today. Uh, I want him to come up here on the platform. Sit right here, King. <clears throat> he looks pretty good, doesn't he? Looks like a good king. Now I want to read you a scripture in Second uh, Chronicles 34 and verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and 30 years. I'm going to change his name for today. This is King Josiah. How old are you? Eight. He's eight years old. Now, King Josiah, this is your kingdom. Right here, all these people. You can tell them just exactly what to do, where to go, when to get up, when to go to bed, you can, this is your kingdom. You can guide every one of them. And in fact, we're going to give you the whole city of Newark. We might just give you the whole state of Ohio. This is your kingdom. And he's eight years old. Eight years old. And they put him on the throne. See, I want everyone to say King... Josiah. King Josiah. King Josiah. He was one of the 20 kings of the southern tribe of Israel when they divided the two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And they put this eight-year-old, what should we, I don't want to say child, but a child shall lead him. See, now there's a lot of grandpas out there. I'm one, and uh, you can order me around. I'm a little older than you, but you're the king. You're eight. Eight years old. Everyone say Josiah. Josiah. Okay, you may go. Eight years old. So I want you to remember, I want you to remember, if you, you, I know you'll remember David and Saul and Solomon, but I want you to remember King Josiah, eight years old, and on 
the uh, uh, throne. Uh, and uh, uh, I want to tell you why he was on the throne. Look at, uh, let's see, is, is it Second Kings 23 and uh, 25, is that the verse? This is Josiah. And like unto him, there was no king before him. He's the 16th king of the southern two tribes of Israel. There, like, and like unto him, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. So before Josiah, there was not a king in Israel that was like him. And there was not a king after. Just a child. Now what does he know about ruling a kingdom? What does he know about directing the kingdom of Judah? Absolutely nothing. He's a child. All of us adults, we know, we'd say, well, we know more than he knows. He's eight years old. And guess what? His father's name was Ammon. His father was king ahead of him. He was 22 years old when he became king. Not eight, 22. And he lasted two years. They assassinated him. 24. And his servants killed him. His father, Manasseh, was king. So it was handed down from his grandfather to his father, and then Josiah, eight years old, they put him on the throne over Judah. His dad was, his dad did evil in the sight of the Lord, and his grandfather did evil in the sight of the Lord. In other words, they allowed Israel to go into idol worship and debauchery, just sad sin. And Josiah, Josiah eight-year-old boy, comes on the throne. And the Bible says there was not a king before him, nor a king after him like him. What did he do? Uh, I want to look at 2 Chronicles 34th chapter. We read the first verse, uh, the third verse. For in the eighth year of his reign, when he was yet young, he began to seek after God the God of David, his father. That's his forefather. That's David who was on the throne long before him, not his father, but his forefather, David, his father. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molded images. Anyone in this row 16? Must be younger or older. Oh, there's one, 16. Josiah, eight, sitting on the throne. Put it in there, said, Josiah, here's Judah. This is your kingdom, Israel. You're the king. 
I made. I, his dad did wicked. His dad was assassinated. I don't know who taught him, but he's, he started praying, seeking God. 16 years old. I don't, I don't know who, what, what there wasn't a, a parent there. I don't know about his mother, but he's starting to seek God at 16 years old. I'm, I'm king. See? And then what does it say? A little later on, his 12th year. He began to seek God. Then the 12th year, he started looking around. He said, you have idols over here to Balaam. That's a false god. You have, they planted groves, and that, that was the images, but the groves were, they would have an idol, then they planted trees around, and they started worshiping the trees. And, and he said, you, you, we're going to get rid of all those groves, all those idols. He said, we're going to burn them down and destroy them. He said, uh, he, the Bible says he started to purge Israel, Judah. He said, we, we have to get back to God. 16 years old. Then in his 12th year, he's what, 26. He says, hey, it's time to get back to God. They're talking all over. And if you go to Facebook and, and so on, talking about the revival in Asbury, Asbury University in Kentucky. Who started that? What happened? A group of young people in a chapel service at the university began to worship God. And the presence and power of God begin to fall down. They're praying for one another. They're asking God to move. Who's directing him? Who told him he had to do this? Who told Josiah, you have to do this? You have to seek God. There was some hunger within his soul. Oh, God, I need you, Lord. I need your help. I need you to guide me. These, in, these students, and they're coming from all over. <clears throat> they, they, I think the city is about 6,000. They've had 10,000 plus there, overcrowded. They, 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 can't, they, they don't know what to do. They're coming from all over. What's going on here? A move of God. A group of young people what, hungry for God. And here Josiah is, eight years old, 16 years old. Oh God, I need you. I've had individuals come and they say, Pastor, The reason I'm not going to live for God, the reason I don't say God is, my dad never did say God, my grandpa was never in the church, and uh, come on, come on, Josiah, what about it? I was eight years old, they put me on the throne. My dad was assassinated, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. My grandpa did it. I don't have to follow them. I want to follow God. I want to seek after Jehovah, the God of Israel. I don't have to go like they're gone. Don't, don't allow the devil to put you in a place and say, well, it's because of my past is the reason. Josiah did not have a good past. But he said, oh God, I have to have you. I have to, I have to have a touch from you. I don't know all these individuals that are in uh, Asbury, what's, what went on and what is going on. And I've heard that they've, they've kind of had to uh, stop 
some of that situation, say, get back to class and so on. But you know what? Uh, if someone said, is it a revival? I don't know if it's a revival. Uh, yes, it is a revival. But you know what? I think it's an awakening to say, look at, we, we don't have a corner on the market. God said that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. In the last day, there'll be a moving of God's spirit. So when people are hungry for God, Thank God he's ready to pour out his spirit. Doesn't make any difference if it's young people in the university or if it's a Josiah on the throne. If they'll begin to seek God, he'll pour out his spirit and touch them and bless them. Thank God and fill them with his spirit. Thank God if they're hungry for God. And so Isaiah said, he said, uh, uh, a little child shall lead down. And then in uh, the in Second Chronicles 34th chapter, don't have to go there, but he was, it says in his 18th year, he was 26 years old. And he said, uh, Hilkiah was the priest and Shapan was the scribe. The scribe was the one that wrote everything down and uh, uh, he said, guess what? I know about Solomon because he built a magnificent temple called Solomon's Temple. There in the Holy of Holies in the temple, they had the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat and the presence of God would come down. In fact, when he dedicated the temple, the presence of God was so strong, the singers could not get in. And so you know the story. And so the house of God, when this eight-year-old boy got on the throne, 16, started to purge Israel. 26, he said, what's wrong with the temple? The house of God. He said, it's in shambles. Now don't look at all this. We're building a set. But it was in shambles. They, they didn't use it. So he said, Hilkiah, let, get some carpenters, get some workers, painters, whatever, get some individuals and start repairing the temple. <clears throat> Let's go to 2 Chronicles 34, verse, I think, 15. Hilkiah answered and said, Shapan the scribe, what's that say? I have found the book of the law. I bought this in Israel and uh, it's all in Hebrew, not a word in English. And the rabbi said, that's, uh, that's the Torah. And uh, I've unfolded it all the way to the end to see if I could find Genesis and uh, where they would read, of course, in Hebrew. And uh, it's sections, and then they paste it together. And uh, I still haven't found Genesis. So I don't know how much of the Torah or the law is here, and I don't even know how long it is. It probably would stretch halfway across this platform. Uh, and uh, so, but this is what they used. They used a parchment, which is a skin of an animal. They stretched it out and cut it, and then the scribe would pen uh, the words of of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so uh, he said, Shapan uh, the scribe, the high priest said, I have found the book of the law. 
in the house of the Lord. What are you supposed to find in the church? The temple of God, the house of God. He said, guess what? We've been repairing and fixing, and I found, I found the Bible. In the house of the Lord. What else is supposed to be? I found, I found the law, this, in the church. When I read that, I thought, I, I can't, I, I can't believe that, that uh, someplace in this church, there has to be a Bible. <laughs> I saw several in the office. But how would I feel if I came in here and said, you all are people of the name, people of the book, people of the word, where's your Bible? Well, we don't have one in the church. <laughs> Yes, yes, somebody has to have a Bible. <laughs> he, found, he found this in repairing it. I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord, you know, kind of delivered the book to Chopin. He was the, uh, he was, uh, uh, the, the scribe. Uh, <clears throat> go to the next, uh, the next verse, I think it is. And Japan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Japan read it. Went and brought it to Josiah the king. We found this king in, in the temple. We're, we've been repairing it, and we found this uh, book of the law. Does not, and he read it, the scribe read it, started reading it to the king, but it does not say what he read from the law. Uh, let, let's just say that he read uh, Exodus, the 20th chapter. And, uh, God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down to them, down thyself to them to serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of his fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy upon thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. What if he read that? I don't know what he read. Let's say the Jewish scholars and I looked up to try to find it and they said he read from Deuteronomy to the King Josiah. So go to Deuteronomy, the, is it the 12th chapter? And ye shall utterly destroy. And the reason they're saying this is because what was written in Deuteronomy, Josiah did for Judah. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess, uh, possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. Ye shall overthrow their altars, break their pillars, and burn their groves with fire, and ye shall hew down the graven image of their gods and destroy the names of them out of their places. This is exactly what uh, Josiah did. But when, they, when the scribe read this, 
to him. Uh, go back to, uh, is it Second Chronicles? Josiah, when he heard this, 26-year-old young king, the Bible says he rent his clothes. For a king to rent his clothes came to pass when he heard uh, the words of the law that he rent his clothes. Why would he do that? Because he went into deep depression, went into sadness, renting the clothes, ripping them is a sign of sorrow, sign that this is, I'm so grieved. I'm in anguish, I'm in pain, I'm depressed. When I look at the house of God in shambles, for 60 some years, we haven't read the book. He didn't read it, but the scribe read it. He said, for 60 some years, my grandpa, my dad, we haven't heard the word of God, haven't heard the law. And he ripped his, ripped his clothes, went into depression and, uh, and said, we have, uh, now heard the word of the Lord. I begin to think, oh God, how important is God's word to me? This should be one of the, the most important books that I look into right here. You say, how important is the word? I was working in the front of our church in Arkansas, a retired individual, member of our church, I'll call him Brother Frank. He said, let's get this sidewalk repaired that was in the front of the church, and we were gonna build a little ramp for a wheelchair to go, so I said, all right. So I went and got some concrete mix and sand and mortar, and, and uh, we were out there on our knees and building the frame and fixing things up and working. And, and uh, of course, when you're around, uh, if you've worked around concrete, the dust, the powder, uh, and so on. And we had a hose there and we were, uh, had a wheelbarrow and a hole and we were working, doing this concrete, working and, and uh, just, just, do, just working around repairing a section uh, sidewalk uh, for the house of God. And it was just he and I. And uh, it was on a Monday. And so we thought we'd get this done before Wednesday. It would be okay. And uh, so we were working, and a car pulled up. And a lady got out, I'll call her Sister M, got out, and she came over and said, oh, I'm so glad to find you, Pastor. And, and uh, said, uh, I just came from the doctor. I got a severe case of shingles. I am in... Uh, severe pain. I need, I need prayer. And I said, well, we're right here at the church. Praise God. And she said, I, I don't have time. I said, well, let Frank go get some oil. No, don't, don't get any oil. I don't want to go in the church. I want you to pray right here and ask God to heal me. So I said, oh, okay. Well, hands were dirty. We were with that concrete powder and so on. And so didn't lay hands on her. Didn't, we didn't get the oil. We didn't go into church. Uh, Brother Frank and I, we just lifted our hands. We said, oh God. And I'm sure some cars that drove by said, these people are crazy. Look at all that, they got their hands up. And so we just stood out there in the, in the street. Lord Jesus, we ask you to touch Sister M, allow the presence of God to heal her body. In Jesus' name, well, three of us, we just prayed.
And she said, thank you, thank you. Well, we went back to work. She got in a car and went on home. I never heard a thing. Wednesday, she came to church and she said, can I say something? I said, well, sure. I want to testify. I said, okay. She got up and she said, you know what, church? I came by and the pastor, Brother Frank, were there. I, didn't, I was in so much pain with these shingles. I didn't have time to go into church. I didn't have time for them to get oil and wash their hands and anoint me and so on. I didn't want them to lay hands on me with all that powder, concrete powder and so on. I just wanted them to pray and said they did that. But I believe that God was going to heal me. And she said, guess what? In the Psalms, it says that he sent his word and healed them. And she said, you know what? God sent his word and healed me. She said, before I got home, the pain of the shingles had already started to subside. And she said, in about a day or two, it was gone. And she said, I knew. No, they didn't anoint me. Listen, thank God. I, I, yes, I believe you, it's good to be anointed. I believe it's good to lay hands on. But you know what? There are some times, uh, thank God, when I get on that prayer alert, I can't go and say, Brother Lacey, I'm going to come here and pray for you. But I can send something called the Word of God. And God, Lord, go to that hospital room. Go to that dorm room. Go wherever they are. Let the power of God, let the word of God go. Why? There's healing in the word. And God said, he sent the word and healed them. And she said, I'm, I'm touched. So is for Josiah, I, I can see why he would, <laughs> he would say, uh, the word of God is so so important that he rent his clothes said we haven't heard from God 60 years we need we need uh, we need uh, uh, to hear from God word of God should be the most important thing in our life. Thank God. His word. I had a lady in our church, wonderful job, wonderful family, uh, husband, all in the church, walking with God, and she what happened, I don't know. It's just one of those things. She had a nervous, headed for a nervous breakdown. And she said, told me, said, said, Pastor, said, I went to the doctor, said, I put me on some medication. She said, I am depressed. I don't know why. She had a fine family, a husband loved, there was no problems within in the family, and she had a fine job there in the city, very professional job. And she said, I am just under so much stress. And so she said, everything just bothers me. I'm and the doctor said that if I don't get a handle on this thing, if I don't get a hold of it, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown total. And then she said, he said that I probably would go into a physical breakdown. And she said, I can't. And I said, we prayed. I said, well, I'll just have the church, I'll mention special requests, come up and we anointed with oil and we prayed. And uh, <coughs> she didn't get any better. We prayed, we fasted, told the church, special requests we needed. And I mean, she just could not, what, what it was, I don't know, just could not get a handle on it and couldn't get a grip on it. And, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And so <clears throat> I didn't know what to do. I said, oh, Lord, what, what can I tell her? We, we've done everything spiritually that I can. Uh, maybe you need to see a psychologist, psychiatrist. Maybe you need, you need uh, I, I don't know what to do. And then it came to me. I said, you know what? I said, uh, 
I'll call her Sister D. I said, there's a wonderful scripture. I said, it's in uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter. Put that verse up. Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 13th verse. I said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I said, that's, that's, there's power in that verse. She went home. I didn't tell her to do this. She went home. She copied that verse down. In fact, she said a little different. She said, I can do all things uh, through Christ, which gives me strength or strengthens me. And so she wrote it down and she uh, put it on in the bathroom on the mirror. Put that, cut it out, put it first. She wrote it again, put it on the dash of her car. She wrote it again when she went to the office. She had a professional job in her since she went. She put it on, right on the front of her desk, she put that. She went to the kitchen where she does the dishes and she put that, typed that, I can do all things through Christ. Everywhere she went, she kept saying, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. Everywhere she went, she would see that. And guess what? She got that so much into her being, into her heart, into her life. When she went back to the doctor, the doctor said to her, ma'am, I don't know what you're doing, but you're making so much headway. And she said, I know what I'm doing. Thank God, the word of God. She said, I kept on quoting that and quoting it everywhere I went. I kept quoting that words. I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. Thank God. Somehow, somehow, uh, uh, Folks, I know there's a lot of technology, and uh, thank God for, uh, well, I have a phone here someplace, a cell phone. It's got a Bible on, I don't know how many versions. Gets me confused sometimes. But anyway, I have uh, it, and uh, uh, Occasionally, when I'm in a situation, I would use it. I, I use more my <laughs> regular Bible because that's what I'm used to. And uh, I, I know laptops and all these things have the word of the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, but I, I, uh, I, I have a love-hate relationship with my phone. Sometimes I love it, sometimes I hate it. And the other day, it uh, came, flashed on the screen. It says, uh, uh, you have used this phone one hour and 49 minutes a day for the last week. I said, you mean I have been on this thing one hour and 49 minutes every day for the last week? And Yes, you have. I said, I don't know what I've been doing. I don't have any games on there. I don't have... <laughs> I said, but I guess the news and things that I'll just, all of a sudden, I don't realize how long I've been. And then I think, well, Lord, I didn't spend an hour and 49 minutes in your word. What's more important? Well, the word is more important. But I, I uh, uh, you say, well, how can it help me? Well, let me tell you what. I'm just quoting the word now. I'm having a little trouble with sin. Okay. The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thank God, get the word, get it in the heart. Thy word, it's a lamp. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm stumped. It's a lamp unto my feet. Thank God, wherever I go, uh, it's there. Uh, 
faith. Well, I, 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 I just want more faith. Brother Joe Strand, I just have to have more faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Somehow I have to have, thank God, I have to have uh, his uh, his word. Well, praise God. The Bible says it's uh, what, uh, uh, it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Think on what? The Word. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word was made manifest and dwelt among us. Thank God we beheld what? Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So somehow... Folks, Josiah, how important was the word for you? We hadn't heard it. It was so important. I rent my clothes and said, hey, I have to have this. Israel, we have to have this. Thank God. And somehow, folks, uh, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, my word will stand. Thank God. I believe, I believe that the Asbury revival that has been taking place in Kentucky, I believe that that's not only just revival, as I said, it's a awakening that God's spirit wants to move. Thank God. And so if we begin, the word says, we begin to humble ourselves and begin to pray, begin to seek God, his spirit. Thank God. He sends his word to heal them. Thank God. Power in the word of God. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. Thank God. What's God doing? I believe God's telling us, hey, listen, it's all right here. If I can get a hold of this. My pastor said one time, told us, he said, I'm not going to be disrespectful, but he said, son, you're going to go through some things. And he put the Bible down. He said, you're going to go through some things in life. But he said, get on the word. Stand on it. He said, and hold on to God. Because he said, this foundation of the word will stand sure. It'll get you through if you just stand on it. He said, just hold on it. He said, the winds will blow. Thank God, things will come and, and, and against you. He said, but you stand on the word. In the midst of everything else, hold on to God. So my encouragement to uh, all these 16-year-olds, all, all of you are 16. You say, I'm older, I'm younger. You're all 16. That's when Josiah began to seek God. He said, Lord, I need you. Thank God. Josiah turned Israel upside down as a child. But Isaiah said, a child will lead them. Thank God. I'm, sometimes I don't, and don't feel bad, sometimes I don't get over there to lay my hands on anyone. You may not, but you know what? Send the word, send healing in Jesus' name. Thank God. You can do that. Thank God, I can send that. Let's stand. Praise God.
Praise God. We are, of all people, we are the people of the name. We're the people of the word. We need to stand on this. You say, Brother Jostin, why do you think that God sent this revival to Asbury? And I'm going to tell you what I believe. Our world, world that you and I live in, is upside down. Arkansas, I didn't know this. We were pastoring in Illinois when the Lord moved us and directed us to go to Arkansas to pastor. I didn't know Arkansas was in the uh, Bible Belt. I didn't know there was a Bible Belt. But it was one of the ten states that was so-called in, in the Bible Belt of our country. Arkansas was the fifth most religious state. And when we came to Arkansas to got involved in the school, I started teaching, we started administering in the school. Every day, every day, school day, every day, there was a scripture read. And we did the pledge to the flag before we started each class. Now, I, I, I know separation of church and state, I understand. But we had that. And almost on every desk of every teacher was a Bible because they read a scripture. And then they said, that's not the best thing. We're going to do it over the intercom. So they did it over the intercom read a scripture, a teacher did, or the office staff did. We did the pledge, pledge allegiance to the flag, then we started class. Then they said, came along and said, we have to stop that. Teachers can't do it. Administrators can't do it. It has to be a student. So we had a student go to the office and read over the intercom of scripture, do the pledge, we did that. And at every ball game before we started, we had prayer than the national anthem. I think I prayed for more ball games than, I don't know. But each pastor in our community would take turns. We'd pray for a home game. And they said, can't do it anymore. Uh, has to be a student. So we said, okay, let a student do it. So we had students do it. They were glad. We're in the religious belt. Uh, very strong Methodist background, very strong Baptist background, and evangelicals, very strong in that region or in that area. And so then they came along a little later on and said, can't do it at all. We're having no scripture reading, no pledge, no, we're not doing that. It's all stopped. But today, a six-year-old can bring a gun to school and shoot a teacher. Last week in Reynoldsburg here in Ohio, two guns, a rifle and a pistol, were found in student backpack. But we can't have this. But we could have a gun. Our world is upside down. Crisis in the classroom, we know. World going crazy from the top to the bottom. Politically, whatever you want to say. Near the verge of a war with Russia, China. You name it, there's problems all over. And God is saying... 
Asbury, you young people are hungry for God. I'll pour out my spirit upon. I'll send revival in the midst of the darkness. I'll send revival. That's what I think God is doing because our world is so upside down. God is saying, look at, thank God, we're going to have revival. Thank God, I'm going to pour it out. And so if we're hungry for God, he'll pour it out. Let's just thank him. Praise God.